You're listening to Amazing Discoveries Audio. This is Zechariah, Episode 4, with Walter Fite. In our previous study on the book of Zechariah, we looked at the remnant, those that uh, would possess all things. In other words, they are the ones that will bring the final message, and they represent that final mountain, that kingdom that everybody will stream to, where ten men will take hold of one man and say, take us to the mountain of the Lord. So that is the message. We have to now continue and see what the issues are in the book of Zechariah as we come to the closing chapters of this amazing prophecy. Before we commence, let us pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we pray for wisdom and we pray for your spirit and help us to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. We were with chapter 9. The burden of the word of the Lord in the hand of Hadrach and Damascus shall be the rest thereof when the eyes of man as of all the tribes of Israel shall be towards the Lord. So we're talking about the time of this ingathering where the people will come from every corner of the globe, from every tribe and nation and people and will join the Lord. Not everyone, of course, but many. And they will come out of these systems, even out of the systems that counted themselves as enemies of God. And so the Bible mentions a couple of cities that were associated with conflict when it came to their relationship with Israel. And Amat also shall border thereby, Tyrus and Zidon, though it be very wise, and Tyrus did build herself a stronghold and heaped up silver as the dust and fine gold as the mire of the streets. Behold, the Lord will cast her out and she will smite her power in the sea and she shall be devoured by fire. So he singles out Tyrus in the beginning of this chapter and it reminds us of Ezekiel chapter 28. Let's just go there. where Lucifer is described and uh, he's likened to the king of Tyre. He actually is the king of Tyre and the actual king of Tyre is represented as the prince of Tyre. But behind the prince, of course, is the ultimate ruler who is Satan himself. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation against the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus says the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. So now we know that it's a type of Satan. Every precious stone was thy covering. And then it mentions all the precious stone. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. 
Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. And again, you have the concept of the mountain, which is the kingdom of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the days that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. And then comes an interesting uh, paragraph where it talks about the economic power that he wields. By the multitude of thy merchandise they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, in the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. So this is a characteristic of Tyre. It was a merchant city. It uh, had control of the economy. It was lifted up. It had gold in abundance, silver in abundance. And uh, it thought itself very wise. It's a type of Satan. And it's a type of the power that rules in the world today that lifts its up lifts itself up against God and thinks that it can take the place of God. And then it mentions a number of cities mainly associated with the Philistines. Ashkelon shall see it and fear. Gaza also shall see it and be very sorrowful. Ekron for her expectation shall be ashamed. And the king shall perish from Gaza and Ashkelon shall not be inhabited. And a bastard shall dwell in Ashtot, and I will cut off the pride of the Philistines. So the heathen nations will be destroyed. And this will happen at the end of time. There will be conflict, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, ethnos against ethnos, ethnic group against ethnic group. And I will take away his blood out of his mouth and his abomination from between his teeth that which he speaks, and that which he eats. But then this amazing second part of verse 7, But he that remaineth, even he, shall be for our God, and he shall be as a governor in Judah, and Ekron as a Jebusite. In other words, what he's saying is that even out of all of these nations that were so antagonistic towards God, and they serve as a type of the nations in the world now that are against Christianity, that are against God's people, and uh, those within Christianity that target God's people, those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he will bring them in. They will see this difference. They will see the outpouring of the Spirit and they will want to come to God's people. And like uh, Ruth said to Naomi, your God shall be my God and your people shall be my people. And then the promise, I will encamp about mine house because of the army, because of him that passes by and because of him that returneth. And no oppressor shall pass through them any more. For now I have seen with mine eyes. So here is the, this picture of the ruler of the universe, the God of the universe, who is concerned about his people. And then the contrast, this messianic prophecy that is so famous. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. 
Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, the king cometh in unto thee. He is just, and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt the foal of an ass. And he will cut off the chariots from Ephraim, and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen, and his dominion shall be from sea even to sea, from river even to the ends of the earth. Isn't that an amazing prophecy? As for thee also, by the blood of thy covenant, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein is no water. I think we should say thank you for that. I myself came from a pit in which there was no water to living water supplied by God himself. So here is this amazing promise. That meek and mild king that came riding on a donkey, the colt of a donkey, that was rejected in Jerusalem, will come as a mighty king. He will rebuke the nations and uh, many people in that last message, will accept Jesus Christ and will come from their pits that hold no water to God. Verse 12, a new paragraph in the original. Turn ye to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto thee. When I have bent Judah like a bow, for me filled the bow with Ephraim, it's a beautiful imagery. And raised up thy sons, O Zion, against thy sons, O Greece, and made thee as a sword of a mighty man. What a beautiful image. He's talking about God's people, the one Judah uses as the, as the bow, and the tribes of Israel, the northern tribes, will be his arrows. That is the restored people at the end of time that stand for truth and righteousness. And with those arrows and with those swords, they'll go against Greece. Now, what does Greece stand for? Greece was philosophy. In fact, the whole system of governance and philosophy in the world today is Greek philosophy. The Roman Catholic system of morality runs on Greek philosophy. The scientific world runs on Greek philosophy. Uh, the evolution theory has its basis in Greek philosophy. The moral values of the world in natural law, their basis in Greek philosophy. Uh, the state of the dead, the, the everlasting hell, and all of those issues have their basis in Greek philosophy. But the arrows of truth and righteousness will destroy the false philosophies of Greece. Verse 14, And the Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrow shall go forth as the lightning. That's the word of God cutting through the deceptions in the world out there. And the Lord God shall blow the trumpet and shall go with whirlwinds of the south. The Lord of hosts shall defend them and they shall devour and subdue with sling stones and they shall drink and make a noise as through wine and they shall be filled like bowls and as the corners of the altar. And the Lord their God shall save them in that day as the flock of his people. For they shall be as the stones of a crown, lifted up as an ensign upon his land. 
for how great is his goodness and how great is his beauty. Corn shall make the young men cheerful and new wine the maids. So they will be filled with the message of God, the wine, the doctrine, the corn, the bread of life, and they shall be filled as with new wine. Well, the disciples in the early reign, when they started experiencing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the people around them said, have you been drinking? And Peter said, we have not been drinking. It is early in the morning. We haven't been drinking. So the power of God will come upon his people again. And then you have this latter rain outpouring. Chapter 10. Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. So there's no doubt that the book of Zechariah does not only have a local application, but has an end-time application. Because we're talking about the latter rain, which has not yet fallen. Uh, there are drops falling in some places in the world, but the full outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we haven't witnessed it. It's amazing, we read in the Spirit of Prophecy, that once the church has been cleansed, uh, I read from the book, The Great Controversy, page 612, Servants of God, with their faces lighted up and shining with holy consecration, will hasten from place to place to proclaim the message from heaven. By thousands of voices all over the earth, a warning will be given, miracles will be wrought, the sick will be healed, and signs and wonders will follow the believers. If only everybody could take part, but as it was in the past, not many learned, not many wise, says the Bible, will actually be involved in that last outpouring. If there's one thing we need to learn, it's dependence. Not by our power, not by our might, but by His Spirit. And therefore we read in the Loma Linda messages the following. Those who do not realize the necessity of what is to be done will be passed by. And the heavenly messengers will work with those who are called the common people, fitting them to carry the truth to many places. Now is the time for us to awake and do what we can. Testimonies, Volume 5, page 82, it reads, God will work a work in our day that but few anticipate. He will raise up and exalt amongst us those who are taught rather by the unction of his spirit than by the outward training of scientific institutions. Then she says a little later, God will manifest that he is not dependent on learned, self-important mortals. The work will be finished by those who feel the unction of God. So ask ye the Lord, Rain in the time of the latter rain. And the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. For the idols have spoken vanity, and the diviners have seen a lie, and have told false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore they went their way as a flock. They were troubled because there was no shepherd. 
The next portions of the book of Zechariah speak about this shepherd relationship. And uh, I believe that as we come close to the end and the false shepherds try to keep the flock away from truth, there will be such anger when they find out that they have been lied to. The Bible says, Surely we have inherited lies. Mine anger was kindled against the shepherds, and I punished the goats. For the Lord of hosts has visited his flock, the house of Judah, and has made them as his goodly horse in the battle. There will be false shepherds amongst God's people, just as there are false shepherds amongst the heathen people. Out of him came forth the corner, out of him the nail, out of him the battle bow, out of him every oppressor together. And they shall be as mighty men which tread down the enemies in the mire of the streets in the battle. And they shall fight because the Lord is with them and the rider on horses shall be confounded. So no matter what they throw at God's people, God will be with them in this outpouring and there will be nothing that can stop the final outpouring of the latter rain and the message to the nations. I will strengthen the house of Judah and I will save the house of Joseph and I will bring them again to place them for I have mercy upon them and they shall be as though I had not cast them off for I am the Lord their God and will hear them. And they of Ephraim shall be like a mighty man and their heart shall rejoice as through wine. Yea, their children shall see it and be glad. Their hearts shall rejoice in the Lord. I will hiss for them and gather them, for I have redeemed them. And they shall increase as they have increased. So God's people, even though they will come a shaking, will not be diminished. They will grow. All of those heathen out of the Babylonian systems, and those that were God's people in the Babylonian confusion will come out. And I will sow them amongst the people and they shall remember me in far countries and they shall live with their children and turn again. I will bring them again also out of the land of Egypt and gather them out of Assyria. And I will bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon and place shall not be found for them. And he shall pass through the sea with affliction and shall smite the waves in the sea and all the deeps of the river shall dry up and the pride of Assyria shall be brought down and the scepter of Egypt shall depart away and I will strengthen them in the Lord and they shall walk up and down in his name, says the Lord. So the ideologies of Assyria, which were basically the origin of the ideologies of Babylon, and the ideologies of Egypt will be destroyed. The one is the Babylonian origin, the king of the north thinking, a religious system that puffs itself up and wants to be redeemed by its own works. And the other one is the secular system, the atheistic system. And both of them will be destroyed before the Lord and God's people will be established. Now, chapter 11 is a fascinating chapter because it contrasts the good shepherd with the wicked shepherd. 
And this is actually uh, the conflict between two systems that comes to a head. Let's read this one. Chapter 11, verse 1. Open thy doors, O Lebanon, that the fire may devour thy cedars. Howl, fir tree, for the cedar is fallen, because the mighty are spoiled. Howl, O ye oaks of Bashan, for the forest of the vintage is come down. Now remember the Bible compares humans to trees, sometimes to wood, sometimes to stubble. So these mighty trees, these people that lifted themselves up against God, they will be brought down. There's a voice of the howling of the shepherds, for their glory is spoiled. A voice of the roaring of young lions, for the pride of Jordan is spoiled. Here in the end, when that latter rain is poured out, and the people realize that they have been lied to and deceived, many will come out. And those that have been held back when it is too late, when that final door of probation closes, they will turn upon these false shepherds and will tear them limb from limb, and these shepherds will howl. That's what the scriptures say, what will happen in the last days. Thus says the Lord my God, feed the flock of the slaughter, whose possessors slay them and hold them not guilty. And they that sell them say, Blessed be the Lord, for I am rich, and their own shepherds pity them not. It's the state of the churches. They bring false gospels. They put people at ease. It doesn't matter whether you keep the law or not. We're living under grace. All of these issues will come before them like a scroll unfolding before their eyes. For I will no more pity the inhabitants of the land, says the Lord, but lo, I will deliver the men, every one, into his neighbor's hand and into the hand of his king, and they shall smite the land, and out of their hand I will not deliver them. So it will be people against people, individuals within society against each other, the legal systems will be involved. So just as in ancient times, where the enemies of God turned upon themselves, so they will do in the last days. And I will feed the flock of slaughter, even you, O poor of the flock. And I took unto me two staves, the one I called beauty, and the other I called bands, and I fed the flock. So he has two rods in his hand. Three shepherds also I cut off in one month. Three shepherds. So those are three systems of religion. Where do we read something like that in the Bible? Don't we read in the book of Revelation that Babylon consists of three components? There is the beast system and then there is the false shepherd and then the third component is the dragon component which is well devil himself so it is the spiritualistic religions the so-called dragon religions it is the false prophet that's fallen protestantism that has aligned itself with rome 
in rejecting the doctrines of salvation and obedience to the law. And then you have the beast system, which is Roman Catholicism. These shepherds shall be cut off in one month. And my soul loathed them, and their soul also abhorred me. So the conflict is really against Jesus Christ. Then said I, I will not feed you. That that dieth, let it die. And that that is cut off, let it be cut off. And let the rest eat every one the flesh of another. So these are these systems warring against each other, destroying each other. And I took my staff, even beauty, and cut it asunder that I might break my covenant which I had made with all the people. And it was broken in that day, and so the poor of the flock that waited upon me knew that it was the word of the Lord. And I said unto them, If ye think good, give me a price, and if not, forbear. So just as the Jewish people in their time had to choose, do they accept Jesus Christ as their Messiah and their ruler, or do they reject him? Now, the Pharisees and the rulers in the time of Jesus rejected him. And there was a price. And this is another one of those beautiful messianic prophecies in the book of Zechariah. If you think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. A reference to what happened when Judas betrayed him, and they decided to reject the Messiah. So the people of the world have a choice. The same choice comes to the final generation. You either accept him, or you reject him. And the Lord said unto me, Cast it into the potter, a goodly price, that I was prized at of them. And I took the thirty pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. Then I cut asunder mine other staff, even bands, that I might break the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. So this choice will come to all. And the choice comes to the people of God to accept the message that is in the Bible and given to the prophets or to reject it. But then this fascinating section, verse 15. And the Lord said unto me, Take unto thee yet the instruments of the foolish shepherd. So here is a description of the foolish shepherd, the wicked shepherd, the one that leads the people astray. For lo, I will raise up a shepherd in the land which shall not visit those that be cut off, neither shall seek the young one, nor heal that that is broken, nor feed that that standeth still, but he shall eat the flesh of the fat and tear their claws in pieces. So here is a destructive shepherd. Here is a church system that violates every tenet of the Bible and eats people like it would eat a meal, destroys people's souls through their lies and through being the false shepherd. Woe to the idle shepherd that leaveth the flock. The sword shall be upon his arm and upon his right eye. His arm shall be clean, dried up, and his right eye shall be 
utterly darkened. This is the curse upon the false shepherd. Now it's fascinating to me that the devil will take this system and will want to turn it round. No, he says, it will not happen. I will be the victor. I will destroy the system of Jesus Christ. I will destroy Jesus. I will win this battle between good and evil. And so he takes the very symbols that God has declared to be the symbols of the false shepherd and he makes them the symbols of his victory. And he mocks Jesus and the Bible through his system that he has erected. Now, if we look at the symbolism of the New World Order, where you have, for example, this Messiah that will come and rule the world uh, at the Council of Foreign Relations, for example. This Messiah riding on a white, white horse. This Messiah has his one arm raised to heaven like this, and the other arm holds the reins, but that arm is withered. You only see this Messiah from one eye. So the left eye is visible, and the right eye is in profile, not visible. The one eye, the system of the one-eyed man, when you look at this in, in all the occult world, and the, and the symbol of the Jesuit order is this, the one eye within the triangle. This is the false messiah that will rule, that will, according to the occult world, gain the victory over the world. How much of the world? Well, if you read the, the symbol that is written under this naked messiah of the Council of Foreign Relations, it says obique or obik, and the definition of that is everywhere. If we look at uh, some other uh, definitions of this word, we find that it doesn't only mean everywhere, it means wherever, anywhere, on all sides, wheresoever, in any place, or universal. So the devil takes this system and he says he is the victor. And he pretends to come as an angel of light. Now it's fascinating that if you take uh, some of the modern movies that have been made, and you take the movie The Passion of the Christ, if you watch the symbolism, it is deeply occult. And in this movie, a large portion towards the end of that movie, Jesus Christ is depicted with his right eye closed because the shepherd has been struck in the right eye. And when he is placed on the cross, the one arm is depicted in a very strange fashion. So it says, Woe to the idle shepherd that leaveth the flock. The short shall be upon his arm, he has this withered arm, and upon his right eye. His arm shall be clean, dried up, and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. So all of this symbolism was there embodied. And when the two criminals were crucified with him, the one that was saved, had the cartouche around his neck, which means that he is saved by the power of Mary, which is a symbol of Lucifer. 
in this kind of thinking because it's not saved by the blood of the lamb but saved by the wax the good merits of the individual people so fascinatingly in this movie jesus christ is depicted as the idle shepherd with his right eye clothed his withered hand and then to crown it all at the resurrection when he rises from the grave they show him with his rare uncovered. Just as you have in the Council of Foreign Relations symbol, the naked Messiah. Anyone who has any knowledge of the occult world will have recognized that what is being depicted there is the New Age Christ, the coming one who is the victor, who is the so-called evil one who has a curse upon the eye and a curse upon the arm, but he is the victor. He is the naked Messiah. He is the one that will win. He is the wrong one. He is Lucifer. He is the one who will gain control of the world. This power is not shy to use the symbolism for its own purposes, and they even advertise their agenda in an arrogant fashion. If we know what they are doing and we correlate it with the symbolism, then we can get an idea of their plans. For example, there is this massive climate change agenda which is being used by this Antichrist power to further its agenda and to bring in legislation which will counteract the law of God. One of the role players that is being used to push this agenda is Greta Thunberg. And if we look at the pictures that we find of her, then we see that she has her right eye covered in some of these pictures. Now, why would she do that? And why would these pictures be out there in the world? It is a signal of the intentions of the elite. It also has this writing on it, climate change and what the issues are. And not only the climate change issue, but the whole corporate world and the music world use this symbol to show that they are part of the system to create the mindset which will follow the beast wheresoever he leadeth. The right eye is a symbol of spiritual alertness and the darkened eye is a symbol of spiritual blindness. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 29 Jesus says, and if thy right eye offend thee, it's not for nothing that he mentions the right eye there, pluck it out, cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. In other words, this is a very important issue. To be blinded by the deceptions of the Antichrist means to be lost. We have to get rid of all connotations and all belief systems associated with this system if we want to see clearly the path that leads to heaven. So this is the conflict that we have here in the book of Zechariah. Two systems that will clash. God's people 
will seem to be a small little group with no power. But when that latter rain comes and these systems are all destroyed, then the real false shepherds, as the Bible depicts, will meet their fate. This brings us to chapter 12, having contrasted the two shepherds and the deception of Satan masquerading as an angel of light. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, says the Lord, which stretches forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within him. Here you have the heart of the first angel's message. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, the springs of water. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about, and they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. The united people of God will be surrounded by enemies. But God is in their midst. And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all the people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. So this great final conflict is here described. In that day, says the Lord, I will smite every horse with astonishment and his rider with madness, and I will open mine eyes upon the house of Judah, and I will smite every horse of the people with blindness. And the governors of Judah shall say in their heart, The inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be my strength in the Lord of hosts their God. So in spite of the opposition, in spite of being outnumbered, God is with his people. We must cling to these promises. We must make these promises our own. Lest how shall we stand if we don't make them our own? In that day will I make the governor of Judah like a hearth of fire amongst the wood and like a torch of fire in a sheaf and they shall devour all the people round about on the right hand and on the left and Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in our own place, even in Jerusalem. Speaking about spiritual Jerusalem, a universal gathering into the kingdom of God. And the Lord also shall save the tents of Judah first, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem do not magnify themselves against Judah. In that day, promise, in that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he that is feeble amongst them, at that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. With such promises, who would not want to take their stand on the Lord's side? And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, another beautiful messianic prophecy, and they shall mourn for me as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. We have a choice. We can accept him or we can reject him. In that day shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem as the mourning of the Hadadrimmon in the valley of Megiddon. 
And the land shall mourn every family apart, the family of the house of David apart, and their wives apart, the family of the house of Nathan apart, and their wives apart, the family of the house of Levi apart, and their wives apart. And then he goes through all the tribes here, and he says, all the families that remain, every family apart, and their wives apart. We have choices to make. And if we go through this time of trouble and we seek the Lord with all our heart and with all our soul, he will defend his people. Chapter 13, another messianic prophecy. In that day, there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. And it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land, and they shall no more be remembered, and I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. God is going to cleanse his people from all the iniquities, all the lies, all the syncretism, all the idolatry. It shall come to pass that when any shall prophesy, then his father and his mother that begat him shall say unto him, Thou shalt not live, for thou speakest lies in the name of the Lord. And his father and his mother that begat him shall thrust him through when he prophesieth. And it shall come to pass in that day that the prophets shall be ashamed every one of his vision when he has prophesied, neither shall they wear a rough garment to deceive. So all false Shepherds, all deception will pass away. There will be discernment, what is truth and what is error. And error will be rebuked. But he will say, I am no prophet. I am a husband man, for man taught me to keep cattle from my youth. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Here's another messianic prophecy. Then he shall answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Zechariah 13, verses 6 and 7 are such important verses. And it is horrifying to me how these verses are mutilated in some modern translations. And it seems as if uh, there has been an agenda. Let me just compare some of the translations and what they are actually saying. In the King James Version it says, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, says the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. Now Jesus himself applies these verses to himself. And if we go to the New Testament, to Matthew chapter 26, verse 31, then Jesus says, Then says Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. So the New Testament corroborates the fact that Zechariah's prophecy is a messianic prophecy. 
and that Jesus would hang on a cross and that the nails would be through his hands and that he would suffer and die so that we who are unrighteous may be saved by his righteousness. By his death we may live. Now, modern translations change this. But let me just go to the spirit of prophecy just to verify. We read in the Acts of the Apostles, page 226, quote, Even the manner of his death had been shadowed forth. As the brazen serpent had been uplifted in the wilderness, so was the coming Redeemer to be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16 One shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Quoting Zechariah 13 verse 6. So the Bible applies these verses to Jesus. The spirit of prophecy applies these verses to Jesus. Now let's see what some of the modern translations do, and one wonders whether the hand of the Antichrist is not in some of these translations, and particularly in some of the commentaries. The New International Version says, If someone asks, What are these wounds on your body? They will answer the wounds I was given at the house of my friends. The New Living Translation says, And if someone asks, then what about those wounds on your chest? He will say, I was wounded in my friend's house. This is very strange. The English Standard Version says, And if anyone asks him, what are these wounds on your back? He will say, the wounds I received in the house of my friends. The Berean Study Bible says, what are these wounds on your chest? The New King James Bible says, and one will say, What are these wounds between your arms? Then he will answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. So all of these verses in the New Translations take away the hands and replace it with between the arms, which is the chest or the back, and they actually translate it like that. The wounds are on the chest or on the back. Then who do they apply it to? If you look at the Good News translations, it says, What are those wounds on your chest? He will answer, I got them from a friend's house. And it goes on and on and on, and we could read them all. We could read the NET Bible, the New Heart English Bible, the God's Word translation. We can go on and on. The American Standard Version says, Between thine arms. The Douay Rhymes actually says, Hands, but he says, In the house of them that loved me, which is totally strange. And the Young's literal translation seems to be one of the worst. It says, And one has said unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? And he says, Because I was smitten at home by my lovers. Now, why would they translate these verses like that when the Bible itself applies them to Jesus Christ? What is the reason for this? And if we read some of the commentaries, then they are absolutely astounding. Zechariah 13.6 is a, actually a key text for determining if you have a Bible 
that is saying strange things. If it says anything other than hands, then it seems fraudulent. Now, some of the footnotes are even more surprising. For example, some footnotes in Catholic Bibles talk about self-mutilation when it comes to these wounds, as evidently self-inflicted cuts as practiced by false prophets. See 1 Kings 18.28. Literally, these are wounds I received in the house of my friends. That this is not a passage referring to Christ is clear from the context. This is a false prophet who is lying about the reason for his scars. So the new translations, uh, together with the footnotes, many of them Catholic-inspired, turn this prophecy around and make the good shepherd the evil shepherd. And we will see that uh, this is exactly what happened when it spoke about the verse of the darkened eye and the withered hand, again they turned it round and evil became good and good became evil. Now it's a sad fact that even some of the study Bibles which are used in uh, our own circles say very similar things. And uh, one of the study Bibles that is used says in the footnotes, when confronted about the wounds on his torso between your arms, probably refers to the chest or back, scars which probably resulted from self-mutilation while participating in idolatrous rituals, then one stands astounded when the Bible identifies this verse with Jesus Christ and the spirit of prophecy identifies this verse with Jesus Christ then how can it be that this false doctrine can creep even into the midst of God's people? It is astounding. Now, why did Jesus die for us? Jesus died for us because it is only through his righteousness that we can be saved. This is not the only text where there are problems with regarding to doctrine. Now, if we read Revelation 19, verse 8, in the King James Version, it reads, And to her was granted, this is the church of God, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Now, this translation tells us that the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. But where do they get their righteousness from? They get their righteousness from the imputed and imparted righteousness of Jesus Christ. If you go to the New King James Version, it says, And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. This is no longer Reformed theology. Revelation 19.8 in the NIV says, Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Bracketed, fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Even worse, if we want to understand what God's word is saying, we need to study it as it comes from the original text. And 
any translation that deviates from this original text where the Antichrist becomes Christ and Christ becomes the Antichrist and you are saved by your works and your righteousness rather than the righteousness of Christ is problematic. We must be very careful how we study the Bible. The choice is so clear. It has been the same choice through every generation, whether we are in modern Israel or whether we are in ancient Israel, typical Israel and anti-typical Israel. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, says the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. This is what happened when they smote Jesus and they mourned when he was smitten. And those people walking in this dejected fashion on their way to Emmaus. And then this risen Savior amongst them whom they didn't recognize. And they said, do you not know what happened? Do you not know? This thing wasn't done in a corner. Did you not know what happened? And he opened up the scriptures. So here I have the prophecy of what happened at the first coming of Christ. At the second coming of Christ, the table will be turned. The mourning and the lamenting will be amongst those that reject Jesus. Whereas here, the mourning was amongst those that accepted Jesus and were sorrowing for what had happened. And it shall come to pass that in all the land, says the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them. I will say, it is my people and they shall say, the Lord is my God. So there will be a refining. There will be a shaking. They will be shaken out and those that remain will be taken through the fire of affliction so that they may learn to trust God no matter what the circumstances. All who want to live godly will suffer persecution. All will be afflicted. It is a promise. Chapter 14. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. So here we have the climax of history. So the book of Revelation and the book of Zechariah take us through the entire sweep of the Christian world right until the restoration. So behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoils shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Here is Armageddon. And the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against these nations. It will appear as though the church is about to topple and fall. It will appear as though this Antichrist, this false shepherd, this false Messiah will have gained the victory. But he will not. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, 
which is before Jerusalem in the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof towards the east and towards the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove towards the north and half of it towards the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azal, yea, they shall flee, like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Josiah, king of Judah, and the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. Here is a future projection of the final kingdom being set up, even after millennium, when Jesus Christ will come down and his feet will touch the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave asunder, and the city of God will descend. It's the same imagery as we had in the book of Revelation. And then the final destruction will take place, and God will rule forever and ever. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. And it shall be in that day that the living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them towards the former sea and half of them towards the hinder sea in summer and in winter shall it be. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day. Shall there be one Lord and his name one. So this is the crowning act where Jesus is forever king in the mountain of God, in the kingdom of God. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day. Shall there be one Lord and his name one. All the land shall be turned as a plain from Geba and Rimon south of Jerusalem and shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place from Benjamin's gate unto the place of the first gate, unto the corner gate and from the tower of Hanael even unto the king's wine presses. And men shall dwell in it and there shall be no more utter destruction but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. So the book of Zechariah has a similar ending to the book of Revelation, the final setting up of the kingdom of God, where Christ reigns supreme. And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. Their eyes shall consume away in their holes and their tongues shall consume away in their mouth. When that final fire comes from heaven and the enemies of God, including the devil, will be destroyed and they shall be ashes under the feet and God will wipe away all tears and he will recreate this planet and this great conflict will have come to an end. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great tumult from the Lord shall be amongst them. And they shall lay hold every one on the hand of his neighbor, and his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. And Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the heathen around about shall be gathered together, gold, silver, apparel in great abundance. And so shall be the plague of the horse and the mule and the camel and the ass and all the beasts that shall be in the tents as this plague. God describes 
that every animal, every living thing, all the riches, everything will be destroyed because he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth in which there is righteousness. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Now here's the remnant that has come out of all the nations that has joined itself to God's people, and they will serve the Lord forever. And it shall be that whosoever will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. And if the family of Egypt go not up and not come, that have no rain, there shall be the plague, wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of the nations that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. This reference to the Feast of Tabernacles, where God's people tabernacled before they entered into this holy land where they received the reward of their labors. If we do not take part in this resting in the completed work of Jesus Christ, we will have no part in the kingdom of heaven. And then the final paragraph. In that day shall there be unto the bells of the horses, holiness unto the Lord. And the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. And all they that sacrifice shall come and take of them, and seed therein. And in that day there shall be no more Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. Canaan was the symbol of the embodiment of evil. And Canaan had to be totally destroyed. No Canaanite will come into the house of the Lord. In other words, no one who is not in harmony with this book, with the words of Jesus Christ, will be part of the kingdom of heaven. So if we make this book the basis upon which we base our morality and our faith and our hope, then we will be part of that kingdom because it's not by might nor by power but by his spirit, says the Lord. So the book of Zechariah, like the book of Revelation, gives us the sweep through history and it culminates in the great kingdom of God in which there will be no evil, no pain, no lying, no death. May God grant us to be part of this great movement as we come to the close of time because I personally believe that the time is now, that it is around the corner, that the devil is mustering his forces to destroy Jesus Christ and his system of morality from off the face of the earth. And people will have to make a choice. They will have to make a choice between the evil shepherd and the righteous shepherd. May God give us the grace to make the right choice. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for prophecies that always end in the kingdom of God. 
a kingdom of righteousness, no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. And the great conflict between good and evil has passed. All the lies have been exposed and all the liars have been removed. May God grant us the grace to be part of this great movement. In Jesus' name, Amen. If this episode impacted you, please share it with others. Amazing Discoveries is a donor-supported ministry. To help us keep producing content like this, visit AmazingDiscoveries.org. And, as always, you can find the visual presentation of this episode on ADTV.watch.